Lauren, if podcasting had existed when you were uh, a kid, what would you have done a podcast about? Oh, I would have done a podcast definitely about the X-Files. Oh, what? That's awesome. Yeah, I was really into uh, the X-Files and particularly Mulder and Scully's relationship. If uh, the internet had been around as dominantly as it was, uh, as it is now, I probably would have been writing really childish fan fiction about Mulder and Scully kissing the Mulder and Scully smooch hour. <laughs> so I, I'm imagining you like finding um, MIDI soundtracks to your, your very like lightly erotic fan fiction and scoring a podcast and then releasing it to dozens of thirsty middle schoolers. Probably. Yeah. I mean, my first website was a Sailor Moon fan site and it had lots of MIDIs on it. So definitely my jam. That's perfect. Uh, you can probably guess what my answer would have been. Well, She-Ra? Yeah, She-Ra. <laughs> Your yeah. dreams are coming true. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to She-Ra Progressive of Power. For one more week, I am Eric. And I'm Lauren. And I hope I'm Eric for more than one week. I was going to say, for one more week only, what's going on, dude? We'll see. Um, so we are continuing our look at the mega arc that ends the first season of She-Ra and the Princesses of Power today. And we have a special guest that we've been hyping since the beginning of our talking about this season. Finally, her calendar opened up. She finally was had room in her very busy life. So Lauren and I always uh, try to contextualize the show by saying, well, you know, we love it and we like giving analysis of it, but ultimately this is a show for people younger than us. Much younger. <laughs> and so we felt, yes, much younger, uh, 20-somethings now. So we felt like we would be doing a disservice to She-Ra if we didn't bring in someone in the target age demographic. And so with that in mind, we have a very special guest. Could you please introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Vera, and I'm eight years old, and I really like Shira, and my favorite episode is Promise. That's right. So we're going to be talking about the, uh, Promise today with Vera. So Vera actually has some pretty sick uh, media creds. Vera, you've been on television recently, right? And then you also write reviews of like um, dramatic performances and stuff for a blog, right? Yeah, and I, I also do some... I also did a robot that I did a review for, and I have him now. Oh, the, what, what's the robot? It's Cosmo. It's like oh. a product review? Yeah, product review. Um, they're pretty. F it's pretty fun. I want one. Yeah, it's, you, I think it's app controlled, right? So you, your phone is. tells Cosmo what to do. Mm -hmm. You can also code too. It's fine. Oh wow! You should try coding. So, do you have interest in coding? Yeah, I did Hour of Code with Google, and it was super fun. Oh my gosh! I did a weekend long coding boot camp for women one time. And really liked it, and uh, I can tell that had I learned it when I was your age, it probably would have come to me much easier. So it's very exciting to know that younger people are learning it when their brains are still so open to, like, learning and actually remembering it. Yeah. yeah. Our school did a whole hour of code thing. That's so cool. So what do you um, what do you like to study? Or like, I know you're you're very young, so please, this is not a binding answer, but like, what do you feel like you want to do? Do you have any idea? Um, no, actually, I'm kind of lost because like there are some parts of some jobs that I want to do, but I don't want to do the harder stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's true. That was me for a long time. I wanted to be a doctor, but then I decided the worst stuff about being a doctor was so gross that I couldn't handle like the really bad days of being a doctor. You gotta, you gotta know your limits. I'm well, proud of you. my mom's a 
uh, do less, so we sort of talk about that stuff. And I think a doctor wouldn't be open for me because I'm not very that interested in body parts. In, in any body parts, it's true. And some people do a bad job taking care of their body parts, and then they'd make it your problem. Yeah. <laughs> but what about, like, a robot doctor? An engineer? Oh, I guess that's what's up. <laughs> anyway, so, so Vera, uh, I heard uh, from your dad that you were really into Lumberjanes, right? Yes. And so uh, I was pretty excited when I heard that because I know that Noelle Stevenson, who created Lumberjanes, is the showrunner for She-Ra. And so when you heard about She-Ra, you were also pretty excited, right? <laughs> yeah, my I came in from one day out of outside in my backyard, and then my mom was watching something, and I was like, what is this because she's usually watching House Hunters or something. <laughs> As adults are wont to do. Yeah. That's so cool. So you uh, you told me that you really liked the first season, right? Yes, it's very good. Uh, I watched the other season, like a couple episodes of it, and I didn't really like that part. The, the, the older one? Yeah, the, the older one. one. Yeah, it's a little, it kind of looks older, right? It's older (laughs) she's being very kind that's right yeah so we know what your favorite episode is uh who do you think are some of the best characters i think katra and of course she-ra so that's probably why you picked this episode huh? yeah uh actually i really like katra why do you think she's cool um probably because she's a cat and her nails are super sharp that i can like probably hurt someone really badly and also because I really like the scene where she, where she puts her claw into an eyeball. Ooh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Pretty, pretty gross. And cool, though. And it, awesome. it was also awesome. It was yeah. a robot, so. Yeah, it was super awesome. Was it? So is that, that's why you picked this one, because you really wanted to talk about uh, Adora and Katra? Yeah, I think that I really like when they it tapped back into their memories, like see why they really connected oh. together. That's really – so here's a little bit of an insider info is um, our friends at DreamWorks were like, oh, this is everyone on the staff's favorite episode, but we couldn't bump the eight-year-old from talking about it. So you uh, you were talking about everyone's favorite episode today. The people, yeah, the people who made She-Ra literally know about you, and they wanted to talk about this episode, but they heard you were going to do it and <laughs> letting you have it. So the people who make the show know you exist. Yeah. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> All right, let's talk The Promise. Eric, what happens in this episode? Okay, uh, I'm, this is not a cutaway now. This is an actual live recap. This is oh not boy. me recording in the my... The heat is on. Yeah. Uh, did you guys like that aside last episode about how I did radio in yeah. college for a semester? <laughs> anyway, so The Promise. Um, at the end of the last episode, Adora had finally discovered the like obelisk in the Whispering Woods that was the seat of... Of the um, first one's power. Katra followed her into the obelisk. So this episode starts where they're both in there together. Adora talks to the guardian of the obelisk. That like computer program. And finds its answers regarding her sword. And her quest to heal Glimmer. Are very frustrating. And very. It's like talking to a tech support person. Who. Uh, or not even like a, a por- Like a tech support. A- yeah. A, a chatbot. Exactly. And so. Adora gets frustrated. And kind of. A beam flows, uh, flies out of her sword and almost hits Catra because Catra's there. And then they kind of have a journey through this obelisk because Catra's not supposed to be there. Dun, dun, when, dun. I know. So the security protocol is trying to get rid of Catra. Right. So the first ones are trying to eliminate her. And they like journey through this like really creepy, ever shifting um, monument. And while this is happening, they keep going into and out of flashbacks that are kind of created by the environment around them. So we see the genesis of Adora and Catra's relationship and some really 
really key moments where uh, in the past they there was some trouble between them, especially one involving Shadow Weaver that was really scary. Boo. You're not a Shadow Weaver fan, huh? All right, we'll talk about that. Um, but at the end of the episode, um, so the, the kind of the emotional core is Adora keeps talking to Catra about, you know, why did you help me escape from the Fright Zone? And why don't you come join the Rebels? And Catra kind of comes with this realization that when Adora's around, she always feels like she's second best. And so uh, Catra is tired of feeling like that. So Adora's hanging off this ledge in the obelisk and Catra kind of cuts her loose with her own sword and throws it down the pit. And that is the end of the episode. It's very, very scary, grave ending. Yet light hope comes in. That's right. So at the very end, a voice tells uh, Adora to let go. Which I think probably has multiple meanings. What do you think about that? I think it's to let go of Katra. Because she's not going to come back. Adora. You must let go. I guess first, let's talk about the just nature of this place. Because I have a big question, and maybe you two can answer it. I understand why the first ones would want to show She-Ra these messages. I agree with Vera. She has to let go of her old um, tethers, her old obligations, and truly become She-Ra by letting go of attachments. But why does Katra need to see these memories? Why does the simulation care to show Katra anything? So I kind of think it was just how the environment is set up that it, it's, it seems like it's partially um, self-imposed, but partially environmentally imposed. And I don't know what the balance of that is, but it seems like Catra just kind of got caught up in this tour of memories. You know, I thought that too, but at the end, the episode is called The Promise because we see the youngest versions of Adora and Catra promise to always be together and always look out for each other. And Catra's the only one who gets shown that. Adora's not even around. I think that is because it taps into both of their memories. Because, as you can see, that weird scanny thing scanned both of them. But she was the only one there. And Adora might have been into a different memory with Katra. Mm-hmm. That's true. It could be the, the scanny thing. Like, it might be that that's their defense mechanism is to show Katra things to make her leave. And it worked. It did. It made Katra, in fact, very um, eager to get rid of Adora. So I have a question for Vera because we haven't seen how Adora and Katra got to the horde, how they came to the horde yet. But we see them very, very small already in the fright zone. Adora's losing teeth and their voices are really high pitched. They're little. They're probably younger than you. Mm-hmm. How do you think those characters got to the horde. What happened to them? Well, there was a little flashback while she first touched the sword. You could see that there was a portal opening. Um, and it seemed that Ordo- Adora was a baby. And it might have been something that the horde stole. They might have stolen her. And if you'd seen the first like version of She-Ra, actually, um, the horde stole Adora. Yeah. And I'm thinking that might have something to do because these are the exact same stories ex- except different versions. I think we can confidently say that about Adora. Pretty much 100%. I think it's interesting, though, because Catra was probably also kidnapped, do we think? That, Kyle and the rest of them? Yeah, I wonder like where those came from because I haven't seen the whole thing, but I feel, think that once the next seasons come out, you, the answers will be 
But a big part of of uh, the flashbacks, which you you were very upset when I mentioned uh, her, is, is Shadow Weaver very much favoring Adora over Catra, and that's kind of the beginning of the fissure in their relationship, mm-hmm. um, because Shadow Weaver is very protective of Adora, and no matter what she does, Catra gets blamed. So why I wonder why um, Shadow Weaver prizes Adora so much. I think part of it probably has to do with her background, because if you look at the original show, she's royalty from another land. But I wonder if there's something more in this show. Do you have any any thoughts about that, Vera? Like, what I think she since she's She-Ra, she's like, if she has to treat her better, because like if she leaves, then she's going to overpower the Horde. And Shadow Meaver may be scared of that. So they, you think the Horde already knew that she was the princess of the It power. actually... Shadow Weaver was the only one that it showed, and it it showed Hordak actually getting mad at Shadow Weaver because she did not tell him that Adora was Shira. Yeah, that's true. So maybe she knew the whole time. So, uh, and it, in this show, it seems like more than in the original, Hordak doesn't super care about Adora. It's purely Shadow Weaver who's invested in her. Hordak could kind of go either way. So that's a really interesting theory. So, Vera, when I said Shadow Weaver, you kind of said, ooh, are you not a fan of hers? Um, it, I think that part of why Catra went off, like, didn't want Adora is because uh, Shadow Weaver always was like, Adora. Instead of, like, she would always blame Catra and, like, then be super sweet to Adora. And I think she was like, uh, what about me? Like, and I think that might have been ended up in jealousy. And the Horde, of of course, um, really wanted that to happen. And they showed, like, one of the memories while the, they were fighting. And not because they were mad at each other, because it was just, like, one of their tasks. Training. And, training and like it was because she was second she didn't like being second best is just because a lot of people liked her uh adora and then they ganged up on catra yeah i i agree with what you had to say about shadow weaver because we see in one of those memories shadow weaver tells catra that Catra's only there because Adora liked her. Mm-hmm. And that if Shadow Weaver had her way, there would be no Catra. And so she's really told from a young age that the only reason you exist is because it makes Adora happy and it makes Adora better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in addition to that, Adora is told you have to keep Catra under control. Catra's your responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so I think whatever friendship they had was really burdened by the fact that Shadow Weaver makes Catra feel like garbage and then makes Adora feel like Catra is kind of garbage, too. I think that, like, she was really rubbing it into Catra, and it was like, because I think she was, like, scared that these things would soon if Adora didn't like her, then maybe she'd attack her or something. And it seems like a shadow weaver really treats her like an animal. Yeah. Instead yeah, like of a cat. like, and but not how a cat lover would treat a cat. Definitely no, not. No. I definitely think um, Catra starts believing those bad things about herself too. I mm. think, you know, like if you're really bullied or maybe someone who is supposed to love you doesn't encourage you and doesn't support you, you start to think maybe they're right and maybe that's what you deserve. Mm. And I think in this episode, we finally, in a good way, 
see Katra realize she has value mm-hmm. and she's worthwhile and she's worth something. It's just sad that she was so hurt for so mm. long that the way she realizes that hurts her friends right mm. and also that she I, I don't think adora was like she you could see when shadow weaver was like being really mean to katra uh she like tried to interfere and i think that she really liked her and she just didn't she didn't want shadow weaver to hurt her she just and but katra thought oh my gosh she's just trying to make me feel like second best so that that dynamic I love so much, and I, I think that the Adora Catcher relationship is it's the heart of the whole season of Princesses of Power, and and so I'm wondering for you, Vera, did any of the the kind of feelings in, in their dynamic um, can you relate to any of that? Like, do you have friends who make you feel that way, or like is that something you see amongst your other friends, like uh, people who feel like second best all the time? I actually I had a friend named Molly, and she would always be like, "Your mother loves me." better and i would be like oh oh gosh That's really she sad. actually said that when we were in line she said your mother loves me better and i was like uh, dang and that's when i started to be like and why do i like her <laughs> yeah and the, and so you kind of like you kind of understand where catra is coming from a little yeah. bit right yeah so I, I i like that we get a sense of why catra is the way she is in this yeah. episode i thought that was i think she's like oh she really was like, I do have a worth, but she um, she thought, oh my gosh, Adora must have been making me feel bad, but it was mostly just Shadow Weaver's impact. And in the later episodes, Shadow Weaver actually said, um, run, it's the only thing you've ever been good at. Well, that's a really good question, too, and that's one I want to dig into is like, how much is Adora to, bl- how much responsibility does she bear for how Catra feels, if any? Well, I think in reality, very little based on the abuse done to them by Shadow Weaver. But we do see in the flashbacks, Adora can get kind of dismissive. Mm -hmm. Um, In several episodes, Adora scolds Catra saying, if you just tried a little harder, if you showed up on time, if your temper was better, Mm -hmm. you could be more. Mm -hmm. And in the end, I don't think she really feels that way about her friend, but everyone around her in the fright mm. zone tells her that that's how she's supposed to act. Because uh, Adora had a lot of friends, as you can see, when they were fighting and the um, after their training session, you could see that she was just like sh- just talking with the, the people like Kyle and them. Right. And Catra was very alone. Mm-hmm. And that, I relate to that, too. And I, I agree with you. Like, I don't think Adora is, like, truly at fault. But I, I think that you can see where um, parts of her behavior that she probably didn't think about don't help the situation. Mm-mm. I remember even in college, like, on days when we would get grades, um, my friends would be like, oh, how come, like, you got, um, like, straight A's and I got, like, B's? And I would be like, well, because you don't show up to class on time, which is, like, a really jerk thing to say. And <laughs> I don't know why I felt like I needed to say that. Um, but it's the same kind of thing of like, you mean well, but you're just like kind of rubbing it in their face that you feel more, um, confident and better than they are. Good work, cadet. I like your focus. This win will definitely be reported back to Lord Hordak. What was that? Way to gang up on me. You were fighting dirty. I was just leveling the field. Hey, you were awesome. Did I hurt you? No, I'm fine. You're just lucky I let you win. Right. I'm serious. 
If I came in first, people might expect me to actually start doing stuff around here. Trust me, second place suits me just fine. Yeah, okay. One thing that's really sad about their friendship now, when they're grown up, or somewhat grown up anyway, the teens. is that they now have a hard time saying anything positive or supportive to each other at all. Yeah. We see uh, Catra catch Adora in this episode in a very similar way to Adora catching Catra in Princess Prom. They don't want each other to die. They want to protect each other. They and just... Kat- right. Catra like didn't want Adora's memory wiped, and so Catra stopped that from happening. She wanted to protect Adora. She gave the sword back. Mm. But they both have so much pride, and they both feel that they're doing the right thing, that they're no longer able to say, you're my friend, I love you, I want to work this out. Yeah. Um, and I think when uh, part of the thing while... Adora was kept on asking is that she got, and she said, I didn't want you to come back, Katra. And I think because it's probably because some things that Adora did just affected her so much that she was like, I don't want you to come back. And even if it's not Adora's fault, sometimes there's someone in your life who just always makes you feel second best. So I, mm. I under, so I guess my question to both of you is, do you, do you believe Katra that she didn't want Adora back? I guess I kind of feel like maybe that's a realization she came to over the course of this episode, but she still might be putting on some airs. Um, I think that Katra, she really did put on some airs, but she, I think she still didn't want her back because Shadow Weaver always also helped, like, add on to making Catra feel second best and then she would like have to lie because she to say she was fine and I think she was just and one of the her lines said well I was she said uh, Adora said well I thought you didn't care about that and she said well I was lying obviously right that's true I think Catra that's a great point Catra is not a super reliable narrator because she wanted a promotion, but didn't want it to look like she wanted a promotion. She wanted to try her best and be number one, but not make it look like she cared that much. And so when, when she didn't get it. Right. Exactly. And when she said, I didn't want you to come back, later on in the episode even, she says, actually, she did want Adora to come back. But I think the problem is Catra sees Adora leaving the Horde as Adora leaving Catra. And mm. Adora mm-hmm. doesn't think it has to be that way. Adora mm-hmm. thinks we can both leave the Horde and be friends, but Catra and the Horde are kind of one thing now. Mm. And I think it was because she was so... It was... The Horde was sort of, like, good. And when it, what she said, um, you didn't have all that... All bad memories growing up in the Horde. And I think because... She didn't want to. F- she doesn't want to follow Adora to think, oh my, she's just like her servant or something. But she just wanted to be like with her. I think you make a really great point because now, if Catra agrees with Adora mm. and says, actually, the Horde is evil and I don't want to be there anymore, well, then Adora just gets to be right again, and Adora mm. just gets to get her way again. That's and Catra right. doesn't want to keep giving that to Adora. And I think also it's because she's. Been, 
she was scared of the horde, and I think sometimes in her mind she was like, should I leave or should I stay? Because, like, it, Shadow Weaver would hurt her, and she'd use magic against her. You could see when uh, Shadow Weaver is talking to Adora, the spell wore off, and then you could see her, like, getting down to her knees. Yeah. And But now Catra's feeling pretty good, because, like you said, Shadow Weaver... At the end of the last episode, Shadow Weaver was not really in Hordak's favor, whereas Catra's got the tech, she's got Scorpia, and she's got Entrapta on her side. So maybe she's feeling like she can turn this house around and make the Horde into something that she wants it to be. And I think, you know, maybe even we can look at the old show a little bit and see, like, well, Adora, she has a family outside the Horde, right? If it's not um, Prince Adam and Queen and King of Eternia, she's made a new family with Glimmer and Bo. Whereas, as we saw earlier in this episode, like Vera pointed out, Catra does not really have anybody, even in the Horde. Like, all she's really had for her her whole life is the infrastructure of the Horde's military, but not anybody in it, you know, except mm-hmm. Adora. And so, when Adora leaves her, all she has to fall back on is the group. I do think Scorpia especially wishes to be Catra's friend. Yeah. Mm. We see at the end of this episode, Scorpia really complimenting Catra, saying she's the best friend ever. She mm. does such a great job. Yeah. But Catra just leaves the room. And it's because she's like, I bet like Adora once said that to her and she was like, she's like, I do miss Adora. Yeah. yeah what I did I do? She wants to be Scorpia's friend. She wishes... Things were like they used to be. But, like, I want to be Scorpio's friend, kind of. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I'd be Scorpio's friend. She's <laughs> yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Ah, and then there's the day Catra and I were on a boat together. Did I ever tell you about that? I'm pretty sure you did. Oh, and one time Catra and I were on a boat together. So, okay, speaking of believing people, so, Vera, you said at the start of the episode that you think when Light Hope tells, although we don't know it's Light Hope yet, so when the Guardian tells Adora to let go... That um, even though she's literally hanging on a cliff, you think that it means she has to let go of Catra. And I agree with you because it kind of seems like Adora is doing like a Jedi kind of thing. That's what the first ones want for her is to let go of all attachments and just be this conduit of power. So my question now is, do you think that given how the season develops, um, does she? Does she let go? Does she even try? Uh, I think she tries and it actually gets to her. I've been making my friends uh, life worse. But then, of course, the swift wind comes in and said, well, that's just stupid. Because it is just stupid. Like, your attachments are a part of who you are. They aren't just there. Well, what's interesting to me is that I think, in a way, Catra in this episode lets go, too. Mm-hmm. Or at least she wants to. She certainly tries hard. When she cuts Adora away, right. in her mind, Catra's also letting go. Right. And I think it's also because let not only let go of Catra, but let go of all your attachments. Because what Mara, it shows in the next episode that Mara, she was overpowered by her attachments. And that, that doesn't mean Adora is Mara. Right. Maybe, yeah. the, maybe the first ones aren't doing any good for Adora by trying to compare her to Mara right. or mm. assume she's going to fail like Mara did because Adora is her own person and She-Ra is different now. You know mm. what I think? I think we're going to talk about Last Jedi next week. Yeah. I have a strong feeling. I mean, Return of the Jedi too, because the True. like, don't go back and save your friends is very well, Yoda to me. And then Revenge of the Sith <laughs> as well. You mean Star Wars tells the same story <laughs> over and over? 
What? But, okay, something not not to come down on uh, on snarkily on Shira. I think the best thing that this show does over the original is how much you care about these two characters in particular, right? Like you, Vera, you watched the um, at least the pilot of the filmation show, the original. Catra mm-hmm. is really hard to get into, isn't she? Uh, yeah, she's uh, she's just there she doesn't it doesn't seem like she's there at all it like there's nothing like she's not even adora's friend there's like no backstory at all yeah and it's like it just catches like a high-pitched maniac with high heels (laughs) well those characters we talked about it on this show a lot those characters were basically made to sell toys (laughs) so the more new characters with new outfits they could bring in the more toys they could make and so they didn't want to give them a backstory they just wanted to give them cool outfits that you wanted to buy speaking of we saw octavia in this episode oh we did see octavia yeah that's a reference from the original show Mm -hmm. um the the one that um they called dumb face she was uh from the original the seahawk episodes right Mm -hmm. but yeah i i think that um it's it's amazing because i agree like i watched the filmation show and i'm like catra this is just grating and annoying but i felt like actually bad when catra cuts adora loose at the end of this episode like i my i gasped a little bit like i We've watched these characters for 11 episodes, and I just couldn't believe that, like, this is how their relationship would end. Yeah. So, I think props to DreamWorks for... Oh, and I don't know if I've talked about it on this show. I have, like, a huge internet feud with the Goldbergs, and the <laughs> voice of Catra is AJ Machalka, who's on the Goldbergs, and I'll give her an asterisk, because she nails it. Rest of the Goldbergs? Unsure. <laughs> don't at me. <laughs> I like how this is just continuing. This is going to be eternal. You shouldn't have come back to Twitter, Eric. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I deleted my first account so the Goldbergs can't find me, but they'll be back with a vengeance. What'd you do? (laughs) (laughs) He was just mean to people. I wasn't mean. I didn't. I, I just tweeted. I just tweeted that I didn't like the first episode of the Goldbergs. And then literal five years later, someone with a Goldbergs fan account tweeted at me and said, um, like, you're dumb, this show's popular, how dare you insult somebody? And I was like, I I guess, but, like, I wasn't talking to you. I didn't, this wasn't <laughs> this personal. Was five years ago. Right, I didn't at anybody. Um, so that's why I have a feud with the Goldbergs, because her screen name was the real Erica G., um, which, if you know the Goldbergs, this is a lot of Goldbergs history. There is no Erica G. It's actually Eric G. in real life, which is like me. Um, but in the show, they make Eric into Erica. So this person is pretending to be the real Erica G. And just trolls people who tweet bad things about the Goldbergs. And we got into a Twitter fight. Well, if we're going to talk about other properties, <laughs> I do want to bring up the fact that cut. the end of this episode reminded me very much of The Lion King. Uh, yeah, with Scar Jafar. and Mufasa. Oh, Mufasa. Yeah, Scar and Mufasa because Scar grabs on to Mufasa and Mufasa's like, brother, help me. Yeah. And it, literally the same thing happens. Adora's hanging off a cliff yelling, Katra, help me, please. And very, you know, similar, like, lion, evil lion-faced characters, like, nah, <laughs> see ya. And <laughs> literally wow. it was a that- sword and then claws. Like, the... Yeah. It's that all makes there. a lot more sense. And then the Elton John music swells up. <laughs> so and we all have feelings. Yeah, oh, I still had feelings. I got my lot of- <laughs> Scar, Scar is definitely my favorite Disney villain, though. So the Same. fact that the fact that Catra has Scar vibes, it warms my heart. It's funny because for all the things we have, um, we see differently. We have a couple hyper specific things in common. We are both the Craghart and Gloomhaven. Yes, Scar is both of our favorite Disney villains. 
Yes. This is why we do podcasts together. I know that your powers of retention are as wet as a warthog's backside. Vera, is there anything else we didn't talk about that you would like to say? Um, that she thought a light that gave her hope was light hope. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, nailed it. Sick (laughs) burn. Nailed it. I mean, that is fair. I don't necessarily think Adora is the smartest character on this show. <laughs> no, 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 It's kind of charming how um, frustrated she gets at, at the Light Hope facsimile, like, not being able to answer her questions. I feel that way when I talk to chatbots, for sure. Literally, she was like this. <laughs> yeah. If you watch the episode, you can see her <laughs> doing that. You can see the exact moment her heart breaks. So um, her heart breaks exactly. I was just quoting Simpsons like a dummy. <laughs> I don't know if this is going to go into the show because I'm not sure I should be talking about this with an eight-year-old, so that's fine. Well, so, here's the thing, Lauren. Even if we edit it out of the podcast, she's still going to hear it live. Right, exactly. You can't edit her memories, can no. you? Well, no, but we had a person write to us on the internet, and we'll talk about this once you're out of the room, too, about the fact that this person who wrote to us thinks that Adora and Katra are not just friends, They think that they're in love. And I, on one hand, can see that interpretation. Mm. um, And I think there's many episodes where uh, it's clear that there's potential for that. And the the dialogue supports it. The plot supports it. Mm. But in my own personal opinion, this relationship at this time is kind of toxic Mm. And so, even though I have a lot Listen of... Listen to the Britney Spears toxic. <laughs> yeah, it, it's Britney Spears style toxic. It's Britney Spears style toxic. And so, even though, in my heart, I wish maybe these two people could have been friends or even could have been in love, for sure, I think they were sort of even flirting and pushing each other around at the beginning of this episode. Mm-hmm. By the end, I don't think that could be, at least not for a while. Mm-mm. And so... I feel like they had a good point, but I don't think that's for sure. But if we saw a little bit more memories, maybe we could see if they're right or wrong. Yeah, my feeling is the show plays it kind of um, middle ground. Like, you could see it, you could not. Uh, Especially because we don't know the ages of these characters. It's a little dicey to get into um, non-platonic relationships. Other than Seahawk and Remisto, which is like the only confirmed kind of couple. Uh, I guess Bo and Perfuma. But... Ish. Yeah, ish. Right. It's not, there's nothing ever explicit. Right. Going I mean, Bo, Bo and Perfuma are together to me as much as like Bo and Seahawk and Bo and Kyle. Which, I mean, all potential ships, <laughs> right. honestly. Right. The, but, show le- the show lets you support all yeah. of them, but it hasn't made any decisions yet. I'm just saying for my part, if this is the episode where it was a confirmed couple, I would have been troubled. And I hope they do some healing and some growing before we actually make that official. I think that's a really good note. I think they, um, I think they, they didn't even say, like, it, if you took it the way, you could choose if Seahawk and Marista were a couple, but I feel like they weren't, like, um, usually Disney or any princess story, there's always love, except for Moana, which I like about that. Yes, Um, plus Moana. (laughs) (laughs) Um... And I feel like it's always, if you look at them, a prince saved a helpless princess. Um, but, like, I think that this is actually a really great vibe that says, like, no one, like, you could say, hey, I think these people are together. But it didn't really push the fact that 
Mermista and Seahawk were together. It didn't really say Mermista and Seahawk fell in love or right. something. And you so you could decide for yourself if that's mm. what you want to see in the story. Yeah. But you don't have to. And I agree with your points about like rescuing a princess too. Mm. No matter who ends up together in this show, uh, Adora and Catra or whomever, mm. it's not going to be the stereotypical story where mm-hmm. one person's helpless and the other person saves them. This is a much more complicated and deep relationship than a lot of those. Which I like because it's like so complicated that you're like, I need this other season to get out like quickly. <laughs> I'm really glad you you brought that up. Maybe that's a good place to end uh, this part of the chat. Is like. So you, you know, even at eight, you've absorbed enough media to see that, like, that's the typical narrative is, like, mm-hmm. uh, the girl is the princess who needs rescuing by the <laughs> handsome prince. Right. So, like... The princes are always such dumber characters. <laughs> They're always so much more boring and stupid. So, like... <laughs> Which ha- doesn't do men any favors either. Let's be real. Truth. And, and I mean, that's toxic masculinity hurts us all. Right. So, I mean, this is a little bit of a leading question. Please feel free to take what I say and run with it. How, like, does it feel cool to have a show like She-Ra where none of that, like, it just kind of breaks those traditional narratives where, like, the women are the heroes and men are are also just good dudes and no one needs to be rescued and no one needs to couple? Like, how do you feel about that? I feel like there is some rescuing, but it isn't, like, because... A woman needs a husband or something. Yeah. And, like, it's not because that's the only thing that the women have to do. Because it's, like, there was... She-Ra had to save a gate so then everyone could be safe. Right. And she didn't need a man's help. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, Bo... Like, she... Bo helps her, but yet he isn't, like... And only as much as everyone else does. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you like to see happen in season two? I would really like to see happen that like some more backstories about uh, Katra and Shira because I really I don't I can't piece together uh, like what Shira and Katra are together. I want to piece together like what they are together, and I'd really like to see like maybe even more flashbacks. They come back, and then there's thirty times more flashbacks. Do you think Catra is going to ever leave the Horde, or do you think she's going to take over the Horde? What's going to happen to her? I feel like she's been getting a lot of promotions lately. <laughs> Very because, hot right now. Um, because she went from Force Captain to Second in Command, like that. Um, and it wasn't like, and because she destroyed Shadow Weaver A, but um... Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> um... I think that she is getting a lot of promotions and that I think this is going to be the highest state she's going to get in because Hordak will, uh, I think, will stay in command unless she destroys Hordak like she destroyed Shadow Maybe that's her ambition. Are there any characters that we didn't see in this episode, but maybe you have hopes or aspirations for them? Um, I really hope that the Princess Rebellion is mended again, because seriously, the Horde needs to be shut down. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. All right, here's a, here's a question for you. If So we talked about Noelle Stevenson, who is the um, showrunner for She-Ra. Mm-hmm. If you could ask her one question about She-Ra, the creation or the future or whatever, what would you ask Noelle? Um, how much longer till the next season is out? <laughs> Oh, well, we know that. Yeah, we have the answer. It's April 25th, I think, right? 6th? End of April. 4th? The, End of April. The last Friday in April. You got another one? 
Um, send me the links to all the episodes. <laughs> send me the links. <laughs> okay. All right. Noelle, if you're out there, Vera wants all the episodes now. Now. No exception. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on our show, Vera. We really appreciate it. Uh, we won't ask you where people can find you because that's grossly inappropriate because you are you probably shouldn't be on Twitter right now at this age. Um, no, I'm not allowed to be on any social medias. I can look at my mom's Instagram account. <laughs> oh, well, that's nice. But um, this was really special. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. And uh, if, she was, uh, if the show goes long enough that you do get a Twitter account, come back and tell us what it is. <laughs> yeah. And when we, uh, from now on, you're part of the podcast family, just like the rest of our guests. And so when we have parties and things, we'll let you know about them and we can hang, okay? <laughs> Dad, you're not invited. <laughs> no, your dad's not invited. <laughs> That's the best out. Thanks for listening to She-Ra, Progressive of Power. If you like our show, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We super appreciate it. You can also send in any feedback you have to our email address, progressiveofpower at gmail.com or to our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash progressive of power. This podcast has been produced in association with the Nerdalogs. To find out more about the Nerdalogs and their shows, visit www.nerdalogs.com or facebook.com slash nerdalogs. Thanks for listening. <laughs>